Thursday Theology with Nick Cleveley. No more lonesome mic on the mic. It's uh it's a uh, back to the tag team theology. Um, <laughs> it's been a lonely season with uh, Andre, you know, hacking through all that. Uh, well done, Andre. You did a great job. He did a great yeah. job. He did do a great job. I really, yeah, I mean, good. the guy can monologue, you know, he can, uh, he can monologue. <laughs> I he don't can know how soliloquy. you put up with him for so long growing up with him, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, he was all like, I don't know how Mike does this. I don't know how Mike does this. And then he's like, well, anyways, now that I got that out of my system, here we go. Anyway, so, um, We'll get Andre on back soon. He's actually on holiday now, probably uh, desperately in need of that after what I put him through. But um, yeah. let's run the tape and we'll get started. All right. Wasn't that jingle beautiful? <laughs> beautiful jingle um <laughs> all right so we want to talk about theology we want to yeah. uh, talk about something we've never ever even thought about it's something that's so far removed from our day-to-day thinking and our identity uh we want to talk about circumcision <laughs> uh, no that's quite close to the heart actually <laughs> yeah no, we want to talk about baptism <laughs> uh, Bap- sorry, baptism baptism not circumcision uh, we want to figure out if the two mean the same, but we want to um, we want to uh, talk about something that actually we think about all the time too much. I don't like thinking about it precisely because it's actually like one of those over bloated kind of uh, doctrines, in my opinion. But um, it is important, and uh, it does, unfortunately, in terms of the way things are, uh, inform our identity, and the, it, it helps us to pick sides. And actually, the big thing for me when it comes down to baptism is just it affects the other threads of the tapestry without you knowing it i mean really you've chosen if you're a baptist you've already sided with so many issues of theology ecclesiological uh, ecclesiological issues but but beyond that eschatological um you've Mm. you've protected yourself from so many issues um that could come in via a Presbyterian angle. So anyways, it, it tends to be a big thing and it's always helpful to just go through it. And, um, and so let's see what uh, this discussion yields. You just baptized a girl that had come yeah, in so, from... Yeah, I mean, the, the reason this is on my heart is we just had a baptismal service. So check this out. So on, on the Lord's Day, we did one song, opened mm-hmm. with a song. Well, we did a call to worship, opening prayer, first song, boom, baptism. Nice. Two baptisms. We had a guy from Glorivale who had been previously baptized who believed that his baptism washed away his sins. Wow. So he had a, he had a heretical baptism. Yeah. So we re-baptized him. Mm-hmm. And then the girl had um, been baptized as a baby, which isn't a real baptism. And mm-hmm. so she, she shared a little bit about um, uh, how she came to Baptist convictions. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was through Fred Malone's book, which was a great help, mm-hmm. which was one of the things. So uh, there's a part of the confession, their testimonies or on our church Facebook page, if anyone wants to check it out. Cool. Um, and then uh, after the baptism, we had another song. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we did we invited them after their baptism directly into church membership. So we did their baptism, then their membership, and then after the sermon, we did the Lord's Supper all in one service. And then we had a fellowship lunch together. Man, that, is, that is awesome. Acts <laughs> <laughs> 2.42 stuff right there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and look, um, as a church, we're on a journey, and we are trying to get back to that biblical emphasis of putting baptism and membership and mm. conversion as, as close together as they ought to be, as they were in the minds of the original uh, disciples. They were baptized and added. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Come on. 
So um, the uh, the text I preached on was uh, from Colossians 2, yeah. verse 11 to 15, uh, verses 11 and 12 being the key verses that I wanted to dwell on. Uh-huh. Shall I read them for us? Yeah, do it. So there's lots to bring out of here, but uh, here they are. Mm-hmm. In him, referencing to Christ, mm-hmm. also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Mm-hmm. By the circumcision of Christ, Kleinian note, mm-hmm. <laughs> having been buried with him in baptism, mm-hmm. in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my discussions with the reformed folk in my church, they like to give some pushback. And the thing that they point out is they say, well, you know, you Baptists always claim that regeneration has replaced circumcision. Mm-hmm. Concision of the heart has replaced circumcision, not baptism. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And uh, they point back to the fact that, uh, for example, Romans 4 verse 12, that circumcision was a sign of Abraham's faith. Mm-hmm. And there was always the understanding in the mind of the Old Testament saints for the need to be circumcised in heart. So mm-hmm. they, their claim is that it always meant regeneration. And mm-hmm. so it can't all of a sudden come to mean regeneration and therefore um be uh, done away with in terms yeah, of the Baptist, yeah. Baptist argument. I mean, how, yeah. how have you responded yeah. to you know their understanding of it? Well, I agree with what they're saying, and I disagree with a lot of Baptists on this point. Actually, um, in fact, I think I disagree with Fred Malone, from what I remember. Uh, but, but basically, um, I would I would agree. You know, they are literally you know pointing to the same spiritual reality. They the, the difference is um, in sign and symbol. I think that's the mm-hmm. best way to look at it. So a sign by what what I mean, you know, with a sign is a stop sign. You know, let's say, uh, you know, a stop sign is a good example because it's telling you what you need to do in the future, so to speak. It's yeah. uh, giving you the sign up front and telling you of the action that needs to happen. Um, whereas a symbol is a good analogy for me. There would be like a wedding ring um, is a symbol of the thing that you have already covenanted in. Yeah. Um, so they're, I mean, you know, they're both pointing to the substance with it. So I agree with the Presbyterians and the Reformed there. Um, the, I just feel like they've lost the, the, the redemptive outworking, the progression, so to speak, between sign and symbol. Uh, it's been appointed mm. to what needs to happen uh, to a physical geographical typological people in order for them to become a spiritual people versus now that the the spirit uh, now that christ has come um you know the the, the people is made through a, a realization and belief in in what in what um in what christ has done and so you know by virtue of their entering in to becoming this new people uh, they've already pledged that commitment so to speak and so uh, have the symbol in baptism uh, given to them so uh, you know very close to their argument it's just that that sort of progressive outworking i think that is lost with with what they're saying does that make sense or yeah i think the key element there is definitely what you said about progression you know it's progressive revelation we understand that there are typological aspects Mm -hmm. to circumcision Mm -hmm. um that there are fulfilled things in circumcision um the big thing that's that sticks out for me is circumcision was created for one person for jesus christ to be circumcised Mm -hmm. you know so the whole the whole institution of circumcision which is a sign of cutting off of judgment yeah um, was created for the first shedding of the Savior's blood on the eighth day when he was named, yeah. and uh, which points forward typologically to his cross. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's the reference uh, that we have there in uh, Colossians 2.11. It talks about by the circumcision of Christ 
and depending on how you read the genitive there, it's, it's does that mean the circumcision that Christ does to us or the circumcision that was done to him? Right, right. Um, and we understand that in the Kleinian sense, that mm-hmm. Christ was circumcised mm-hmm. in judgment because yeah. that's the significance of circumcision. Right. And so there was, there, was, there was lots of typological aspects that do have to be stripped away and fall away and the internal kernel of truth, mm-hmm. which is regeneration and faith, must come to the foreground and now dominate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my understanding of it, that the progression is very important. But now baptism, you know, I don't know if you've ever read By Earth Consigned, just thinking of Klein's thing. Um, the um, you know he his whole argument there is that essentially you know they both point to the same redemptive judgment in that you've got um, everything you've just said w- with regards to circumcision <clears throat> being echoed with baptism in that we're you amen know, and you, I agree yeah but it's, me it's, too. Ba- yeah. it's judgment to come versus judgment done exactly and that's basically yeah. it that's the bottom and line there, that's there are what, definitely yeah. parallels I mean yeah. we we're happy to embrace those parallels totally but then uh, the, the the reason why I think certain things are stripped away mm-hmm. is if you look at uh, circumcision in the Old Testament. Um, Circumcision was, you know, it was applied to the male member pointing back to the sin of our first parents, uh, which we received through procreation. Yeah. But it also points forward to a child who would be born in Abraham's line who would undo the works of the devil. Yeah. I mean, Circumcision brought lineage. the uh, yeah. descendants of Abraham under the demands of the law. Mm-hmm. And so the threat of the curse of being cut off and the... Uh, the uh, hypothetical covenant of work scenario and uh, you yeah. know the, the last Adam hadn't yet come and so that the, the knife of circumcision hung over the whole of the Old Testament until Christ came in one sense yeah um, so yeah I see a lot of that stuff being stripped away so all of that I think can be boiled down to typology you know in that mm. as as much as the the shadows have gone and the substance have come that's really all we're talking about because you know, again, physical, posterity, lineage, male, uh, you know, reproductory organ. I mean, that's all obviously connected to what God was doing typologically from that point. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's it's why else would it be applied to the male reductory, uh, reproductory <laughs> organ? And, yeah. and, and yet, at the same time, powerfully foreshadowing of what needed to be cut away and what Christ would do and the whole redemptive judgment thing. Um, and, and, you know, of course, you know, now that Christ has come and he is the seed singular and uh, now those who enter into the covenant community enter in by faith. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is that, you know, you don't have those that need to to um, to apply a typological sign. Uh, now, it, it, it's a sign that points to the very same thing. It's just a sign of fulfillment. It's just yeah. a sign of of now it has happened. And uh, I mean, I- um, one of the big things for me with regards to circumcision is the link between adoption and circumcision. Yes. So in the Old Testament, you know, you were you were the uh, Romans nine talks about the fact that Israel had the adoption, mm-hmm. and this was signed through circumcision as well. Israel was the son of God, mm-hmm. and um, by virtue of this sign, you were now given rights to approach the Lord in temple worship. Mm-hmm. You now had right of access to gain an inheritance in the land. Mm-hmm. You were fully entitled to marry an Israelite wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were certain national, corporate, physical, earthly benefits. Um, yeah. And circumcision signed you into a visible community yeah. where even though you were unregenerate, you had access to these things. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> and because of the change in the way in which we are adopted and become sons of God in the New Testament, mm. there must now necessarily be a, a change in the administration of the sign of that adoption. Yeah. 
Yeah. So those who believe are uh, children of God. Yeah. Um, and those who believe are children of Abraham. Mm. And so um, it's not just one thing that changes. It's it's a network of, of intertwined doctrines that change. And adoption feeds into that, mm-hmm. which shows why we don't just make a, a one-for-one correspondence or a copy and paste from the Old Testament practice of, of circumcision and then just swap it out for baptism for the new. Yeah, totally. We're not trying to redo old earthly Jerusalem. We're trying to yeah. model off... Um, Jerusalem that is to come, a Jerusalem, eschatological Jerusalem now already foretasted, so to speak. Um, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that um, that uh, Kleinians say uh, about this is is they're like, okay, well, we get the progressive unfolding redemptive history thing. Um, obviously, they get it. <laughs> you know, that's the one cool thing about Kleinians. Um, but. <laughs> But at the same time, they want to hold on to the family solidarity principle. They want to, uh, they want to almost. I see it as almost like a dangling engine part. You know, it, it's not necessary for the Kleinian engine, but it's just yes. it's something that they feel like needs to be tacked on there. Maybe, yeah. maybe to stay reformed in their view of it or whatever. But you know, I don't want to doubt that Klein had some solid convictions there or anything. I just feel like it. It just he sort of. I think this is why a lot of Presbyterians and Reformed don't like Klein because he essentially took the engine away from from uh, their system of um, uh, infant baptism and um, and so you know the, yeah, he found different grounds for infant baptism in the right. family, uh, family solidarity principle yeah exactly which, I mean what, and what, what would what would the reformed Baptist response be to that I believe in a solid family solidarity principle I think it's it's true it's just that we don't baptize as a you know we're not called that's not the prerequisite for baptism so in other words God it you know normally would work through the preaching of the gospel to our children and through growing up in a Christian household and Christian nurture, that's probably the way normatively that children will come to the faith. And, and, you know, so I got no problem with any of that. And, uh, you know, I would, I you don't would, have to assume that they're regenerate and elect and until like, they prove themselves exactly. otherwise and right. seal them to be so by baptism. <laughs> to, <laughs> exactly. To act that way. <laughs> it's just like, it's got nothing to do with anything, you know, uh, it's just like, yeah, amen for family solidarity. What, what is that got to do with the price of cheese? You know? Um, and but yeah, I think there's also another Kleinian angle you can bring in yep. the family in and of itself. So you got Adam who represents Christ Eve, which represents the church having babies, creating disciples, there is a sense in which um, there's a redemptive analogy mm-hmm. um, in parenthood itself, mm-hmm. um, whether it's Noah and his family, whether it's Abraham and his offspring creating the nation of Israel, all pointing forward to Christ as the last Adam and his offspring, which is us. Yeah, totally. Um, so the family solidarity principle can also find its fulfillment in Christ. Um, I agree. I agree. And, yeah. and um, yeah, ultimately, you know, I, I suppose... The thing is, like, you know, I, I feel that, you know, and many, again, many Presbyterians and Reformed feel this way as well. They feel like Klein is really, you know, he gives ground to much of the Baptist stuff, you know, the Baptist argument, because he gets us thinking in that kind of way, you know, which, yeah. which really does work for a Baptist uh, outcome. Um, but, you know, I mean, to be as fair as possible, I mean, they just simply want to they want to say that, uh, you know, if, if God has worked this way all the way through, um, keeping keeping not only the person believing but their family in the covenant community. And, of course, the big thing with Klein was uh, that he then, you know, really didn't like the inner covenant, outer covenant distinction between, um, you know, the covenant of grace, the internal and external um, elements to it. So he's like, there's only an external element to the covenant of grace. It does include unbelievers. 
No one makes it into the covenant of redemption unless through the covenant of grace. Uh, and, and he just wanted to sort of rework it because he felt like they were giving Baptists their ground, and and um, and so there was there was so much interesting stuff there. And and you know while I appreciate that he you know wanted to keep keep a certain angle to keep infant baptism, uh, I feel like he just really in many ways kind of exposed the problem with um, with the reformed system and infant baptism and um, gave Baptists their tools to work with. Um, so, I, you know, I think for any Baptist that is, you know, keen on thinking about this thing, I wouldn't shy away from reading through Klein on this stuff. Uh, mm. Much of what he says is helpful. And, um, and and really, you know, look, I'm pretty sure it would lead you to, to a deepened understanding one way or another. But, yeah, I love the redemptive you know, I mean, yeah, to see it fulfilled in in Christ and and uh, and the new creation, and I mean, that's I, I feel like it's just a no brainer that we need to go there. What was that thing that you um, said? Um, I think it was the girl that you baptized. She uh, was reading through the 1689 Federalism stuff, and yeah. she she came so across she was, a, um, yeah. just a just a proof text that she actually shared during her baptism that really stuck out was from Acts 20, where Paul's uh, talking to the Ephesian elders, and he talks about how God bought the church with His own blood, mm-hmm. and yeah. the notion of the blood bought saints being the church. Oh boy! So how do you define the church? Ah, those who God bought with His blood. Yeah. There we go. The redeemed, those who were set apart from eternity past, the sacrifice of Christ has been applied to and are now marked so as being by baptism, mm. the, the blood-bought saints. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's great. And and again, like, you know, I know what Presbyterians would say. They'll be like, well, it's an over-realized eschatology, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you what other definition do you want? You know, we're not... We're not um, you know, fine. We're we're not saying that the visible community is all necessarily the blood-bought saints. We're not. We don't think that we're in heaven already. But uh, at w- when it comes down to it, you know, who is the church? Well, you know, you can't you can't start widening that out to include people that Jesus didn't buy with yeah. his own blood. I mean, that's Christ not, gave his life for her. Ephesians five. It's it's, the, it's 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 an argument from limited atonement to baptism. Yeah, that's right. And so yeah, it's a real. It's not a flimsy argument. It's a real thing, and, and people need to contend with it. So anyways, hopefully if people are thinking about that, I know I know a few people that are working through that, so this is hopefully just some more fodder for them to yeah. to, to work through. and um, Maybe some more fodder before we end off. Yeah, and that's totally. uh, just two points from the verses that we read earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, is this a connection between circumcision, circumcision and baptism? Yes, but not in the way you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that circum- that's, we're not saying that baptism re- replaces circumcision, and there are two proofs of that in the text. The first one is Paul talks about a circumcision made without hands, referring to the inward work of regeneration. Yeah, showing that he's not saying uh, in this verse that baptism replaces circumcision. Right. Uh, this actually would have been a perfect opportunity because the Col- Colossian heretics were saying. You know, Jesus isn't enough. You need Jesus and angels, Jesus yeah, and the Lord, yeah, Jesus yeah. and circumcision. And Paul could have said, hang on, guys, you've been baptized. It right. doesn't go there. So what we are <laughs> saying, though, what we are saying is that uh, Christ fulfills circumcision in, in the cross, and the work of Christ is now, um, uh, what is the word, um, represented by baptism as yes, a sign. It is right? an outward of the inward. So yeah. there's direct continuity to circumcision, but it's through the fulfillment that Christ brings. Amen. Yeah. And then the second the second point to bring out is uh, in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him through faith. Mm, so in Paul's mind, he's got this, you know, if you ask Paul, when were you saved? And we can talk about this in our, in our, on, on set, uh, Systematic Saturday. Mm-hmm. But, it's, you know, it's the day that you got saved was the day that you were baptized. That was the day that you received the Spirit, which was the day that you repented, which was believed. <laughs> that's mm. that was the marker in their minds yeah. that's the way they they that's the way they thought of their salvation and so when paul looks back to baptism he talks about being raised with christ through faith yeah yeah and so he links faith to that concrete outward act of going through the water uh, which points again to believers baptism and yeah. not the baptism of babies yeah yeah uh, brilliant yeah that's great um so um all right well, let's save some of that for Systematic Saturday and we can talk a little bit more about uh, the way this works out. But again, um, hopefully that's enough for you to drop the Presbyterian nonsense and finally become Baptist and um, and just, you know, be done with the Yeah, fun. go check out those testimonies. They're awesome. It's always great to see people getting baptized. Yes, totally. What What is the um, URL? So it's on our church Facebook page. Oh, the Facebook uh, page. Covenant and Grace Baptist Church on Facebook. Yeah, so if you yeah. Covenant Grace Baptist Timaru, do they need probably need to type that just to get the right one, and then um, and then would it be on your website as well? Um, yes, there are, we've embedded a Facebook link on the the website. And so, what's the URL for that again? CovenantGraceBaptist.church. Yeah. Oh, nice. There we go. CovenantGraceBaptist.church. Um, go check that out and um, and think some more about baptism. Cool. Well, that's it for Thursday theology. Thanks for joining us. Cheers.